Hey coconuts, welcome back to Tuesday's weekly market updates. This week, we're going to be talking about Rivian and its projected IPO price. Web 3.0 and what it is, a company called Zillow who's shutting down a division, and Evergrande on its latest default payment. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hey, Coconuts. Welcome back to our Tuesday weekly market updates. Rakesh here. Anthony here. And today we have four things to talk about. The first we have will be Rivian with an upcoming IPO tonight and tomorrow. Exciting times. Very cool. Number, number two, we're going to talk a bit about Web 3.0. I just found this out, guys. So if you, haven't, if you don't know much about Web 3.0, here's a good time to just listen up. Yep, better late than never. And the next one we have would be Zillow and how it's going to shut an entire division of its company. Ooh, interesting. And lastly, of course, you know, we can't, we can't say no to Evergrande or Evergrande. <laughs> we'll get to that a bit better, <laughs> uh, given the fact that they defaulted on payments last week. Uh, you know, before we get started, uh, to everyone, if you haven't subscribed, uh, please go ahead on Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and you can always sign up for a newsletter right on the, the Financial Coconut. All right. Awesome. What do you have for us, Anthony? You said Riv- Rivian? Rivian, was it? Rivian? Ivian? Uh, Rivian? <laughs> Rivian? Wow. Yeah. Electric vehicles, right? Electric vans. Oh, okay. Cool so stuff. they do electric vehicles. Yeah. So um, it's it's an electric vehicle company. It's going, it primarily does pickups and vans now, and it's going to IPO with a reference price tonight, um, Singapore time. So that's nine. 9th November, um, and, and, I, and be listed tomorrow, um, 10th November. So, so exciting times. I think there's, nice. yeah. Nice. And, and tell us more, right? Uh, Rivian, I, I presume it's like Tesla. Is it going to be a competitor of Tesla? Well, they, they hope so. Um, so it's, I think what, there's a few things that's interesting about this, right? So the first is, you know, they, they started off the, the IPO process. Well, so firstly, they're doing a IPO, not a spec, which is unusual for That's EVs. That's always good. That's so, always good. <laughs> second, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, we don't want another Nikola, right? Um, <laughs> the, the second one is, you know, it, it started its IPO roadshow process at about um, $60, at a valuation of $60. They, they found so much demand for it. The latest word is that they're going to price it at about 72 And that means wow. that, you know, by the time the first day of trading ends, you're probably looking at 90 or 100 if you can get shares, right, which is um, going to be amazing. And, and, that, and at $72, that's a $65 billion valuation for a company that produces 100 cars. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think a couple of weeks ago, we did speak about pre-product pricing. <laughs> yes. So, so we, this is better. We, they have a product. They have a product. And a, really well, and a really good, really well-reviewed product, to be fair. Nice. All right. That's good. And so you mentioned that they are going um, IPO. Was that tomorrow yep. or would it be from today's 9th November uh, in, in NYSE? You can trade it tomorrow. Got it. So that would be 10th November Singapore time or yes. rather actually 10th November, even yeah, US time when it opens. Everywhere time, right? 10th open. November. <laughs> That's true. Tomorrow's market open. Are they ready to trade? Ooh, yep. This is interesting. Tell us, tell us a bit yeah. more about, about Rivian. Yeah. Who, who are they? Um, are they backed by anyone big? 
Yeah, sure. So um, it's, I mean, you, you think about startups as relatively new companies, right? But this is actually a company that's been around for 12 years, trying to do electric vehicles in, in various forms. And, and they have had various names wow. through the years and, and all that. But, you know, I think a very, very big part of the hype um, around this, not only because it has produced a few pickups which have been which have brilliant reviews, but it's because Amazon, um, the tech company, is uh, quite a major shareholder. They own twenty percent of shares. Ford is backing this company. They own twelve percent of the shares. Um, Amazon, to prove it has skin in the game, has ordered a hundred thousand vans, right? With the caveat that this will be delivered in batches until twenty twenty five. But you know the the. Demand side is solved for the electric vans, at least. They know that there's somebody that will buy them. Got it. Got it. Oh, wow. So you mentioned Amazon is a major stakeholder, 20%. Ford is a, is a shareholder as well? Yep. So, so you know, they, they have the tech, they have the old school cars. Should be good. I mean, it, it looks like they, they, they should be able to execute um, compared to a lot of other you know, EV startups where you, you are a bit less familiar with the management and, and not very sure about where their backing is come from, coming from. Here, here you have actual manufacturing knowledge, you have tech knowledge, you have you know, good supply coming in that you know will pick up and will pay. I think it, it sounds promising, right? It really does. Got it. Do we know anything about the, the management actually? Who's the CEO? Uh, a, bit, a bit like that? Yeah, so I, I can't remember his name. It's founder lad, right? He's... He, he has been there since the beginning. In fact, this is his only job. So, so he's, he's an engineer. He, he did his um, degree at MIT and I think his master's in, at MIT as well. And straight out of that, straight out of school, started up this company. Um, it wasn't called Rivian then and, and he has run it for 12 years. So, so it's his baby, right? <laughs> um, in, in child terms, he, he, he gave birth to it and is now a teenager. Hopefully, you know, it, it grows up well. Got it. So overall, what's the what's the takeaway for our coconuts listening? Oh, this this is tough, right? I think there's lots to 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 unpack. Um, so it's it's expensive, right? Let let's um not get that wrong. Um, it's not a screaming value buy, but you know, in this market, what is, right? So so you I mean you you look at the the growth prospects. You look at the 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 big risk to me is execution. They are, they have their new factory up and running, but it's going to expand. We don't know how that will play out, right? So, so that's the big risk there. It's just being able to produce and sell um, proper cars and then to you know, get that flywheel going. Other than that, I mean, if, if we want to go into concerts, that there's a lot of them, right? Um, Amazon is a shareholder. That, that's great. You know, but Amazon also has exclusive rights to all of the vans that Rivian will produce in the next four years. So essentially, whichever van... Rivian producers in the next four years, they can only sell to, to Amazon. And after that, right, there, there's a right of first refusal for, for another two years. So any other van in year five or six that Rivian wants to sell, they need to get Amazon to, uh, they need to offer it to Amazon at that price first. And only if Amazon doesn't buy it, they have to, they can sell it to someone else. So you have limited strength, um, but I mean, you, you, you really are looking at growth in seven to 10 years. You are, you are not, Looking, you are, you are looking at the ve- this is very, very early stage, I would say. Oh, you know, in this market, you can project the most optimistic growth and poof, there you go. Wow, interesting. I mean, $72 is a lot cheaper than Tesla's $1,000, right? So, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, I mean, Tesla sells cars, right? This is selling, it's trying to sell cars. It's trying to sell cars. <laughs> yeah. 
Got it. Oh, wow. This is interesting. So effectively, Amazon has almost tied their hands, Rivian, for the next four to six yep. years uh, in, in for, for 20%. Effectively for 20%. Yeah. Amazon could effectively go to Rivian one day and say, you know what? Um, I don't want the. I don't want anybody else to have it. I'm going to buy you out. So that could even be an option. It could be. Um, I mean, taking private and all that, you you probably have to um, bear some market risk. It'll be expensive, but you know, I I don't think Amazon actually needs to do that, right? They they have tidied up for the next four to six years. And sorry, this exclusivity doesn't go two ways, right? So Amazon can buy from anybody else they want. Um, it's just Riven cannot sell to anybody else. So. You know, I mean, that, that's reflective of, you know, their stages, right? Amazon being the key powerful customer and Rivian being a scrappy startup trying to build a market and, and get clients. But, you know, that, that I think to me is, is a risk. It's, it's one-sided. You know, Amazon has all the power in a relationship. They are a shareholder and the biggest customer, right? And, and you do wonder sometimes when those two roles conflict, what are they going to do? You know, I mean, it's, it's all small potatoes to Amazon, right? Yeah, $2 trillion now. Eh? Are they $2 trillion? One, one point something trillion? One point Dollar something. Dollar market company. Yes. Yeah. 100 <laughs> million is, is nothing to them. This is nothing to them. Right? Yes. 100 million is nothing to them. But yeah, it's, I mean, you, 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 you would think that they would act in, in their capacity as a customer more than their capacity as a shareholder. So, I mean, I, I think that's a risk that you know, we, we need to be appreciative of. Cool, but I tell you what, though there has been a bit of a hype. Like I've been reading about this um, over the internet, uh, the IPO, which which clearly got a lot of demand. I think it's for for our coconuts listening. I think it's just good to do do a bit of research. It could be a good risk um, that you want to take on, or it could not, right? Depending on how the market's going to pan out. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's risky. That there's probably better EV plays um, that that are more de-risked, um, including Tesla. But you know, um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, definitely. Cool. Well, the way I take it is that Tesla is whatever Elon Musk says on Twitter or whatever Elon Musk wants to do. <laughs> but you know, in this case, there's a bit more fundamentals with it. Yes, their hands are a little bit tied, but clearly they've got great reviews, right? So I think that's yeah. the, they're product centric. You mentioned the founder was an engineer, so he is product centric, and that's really, really key in EV, uh, at least for the next, or at least for the for the, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if it was thirty billion, I, I think it it would be a buy, um, just given what they have. But yeah, sometimes I think you know I can't get past the valuation bit, but you know that's just me. Yes, but I mean, then again, with tech stocks and with Tesla, who can? So. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And, you know, I think this, this sort of EV um, transition, if you will, is, is quite interesting. Um, I was actually reading and I was coming across another, another transition that, that is happening, actually, and that's Web 3.0. So for, for, for our coconuts out there, uh, it, I, probably, I think I heard it for the first time on Friday. So very much a noob in this regard. Web 3.0. Do you live in a cave? You have internet. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. I've been too focused in my work. I've too focused in my, in my oh. flat that, uh, that I was <laughs> unable to find out exactly what's going on with the rest of this world. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I did a bit of research. So I'll share that with you for those of you that, that don't know about Web 3.0. And Anthony, you can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong in this case. <laughs> So uh, no, you know, I, I, I'm sure you have done more reading about this than, than I have. I just know that oh, it's yeah. 3.0. 3.0 is bigger than 2.0. It must be good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, well you know, to, to start off, right, when, with the internet launched, 
um, we effectively saw something called Web 1.0, right? It doesn't get any better than that. 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. 1.0 is effectively any static pages you go in uh, to read and then get your info and come back out. With 2.0, which started around the 2000 mark, people and anyone could go in and create content for themselves, right? Think of it as like Wikipedia, think of it as Facebook, Twitter, right? These sort of social media sort of grew with Web 2.0. Anyone can go in and do that. Before that, it was only done by very, very limited people. So that was, that was a big shift with Web 2.0 and, and Facebook. Web 3.0, however, now talks about a distributed ledger technology. In other words, it talks about blockchain and how information is not stored in one central server, but stored effectively across the globe on many, many devices. Think of it as, as cryptocurrency, but instead of money, it was information. So I thought that's, that's really interesting. I, I'm trying to imagine a decentralized Facebook or, or Instagram, yeah. right? But I, I don't think that that's the immediate purpose that, that comes to mind. Um, it, 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 yeah, why, why don't you, you tell us more? Um, how, how are they looking at building it, right? Or, or how, how, do, how, how much the, the thinking behind how this will work? Yes. So, I mean, I would say that what, you know, 3.0, uh, what it's looking at is this threefold, right? Three things that they're looking at. One is to be open two is to be trustless, and three is to be permissionless, right? So they're built effectively on open source. Anyone is a, can, can go in and develop it and access it. Number two is that because it is so decentralized, it's trustless while at the same time more secure, right? Because yeah. in order for you to find, say, for example, a health document, you right now you would go to a central server, probably, you know, maybe a government, and you go into that server and you find it. Where else, with Web 3.0, this health document is stored every, in, in maybe a thousand devices, and you need a code in order to access it, right? So if I, and this thousand devices could be across you, me, any any time they can have it, except that we don't have the full piece of information. Only once you have the code, will you then be able to view your health document, or somebody else will be able mm -hmm. to view their health document, right? It's very much the same as cryptocurrency, except in the form yeah. of information. Um, for me, that's that's very new, right? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, it it really just sounds like you know crypto concepts or um, even metaverse concepts put put mm. in a different name, right? I I mean, my my thinking at least for now is that all of these seem to to fall under the umbrella of Web three So so it's just you know a descriptor of the next generation of the internet. But really, what we are talking about are, are blockchains and, and you know cryptocurrency to facilitate transactions on blockchains and and using DLT um to 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 secure and and to share information, right? And, and of course, you know, with the metaverse, it's it's also partially you know being able to communicate across different platforms. So, for instance, you could take your Facebook data and and transmit that across to I'm struggling Twitter. Right. And, and they, they, there's no more walled gardens, um, which the Chinese are doing. So maybe the Chinese are leaders here. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, but part, I, I, I do have a question for you, though. Um, so I, I think, so what, what's the point about all this? Is it about getting back control? Or is it about trust? Or like, well, what's, what, what do you think is the, is the big factor that, that actually makes 3.0, I guess, an upgrade to day-to-day to -day users like us? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the question about privacy really pops in here, right? That's the way that I look at it. Um, that's, that's my thinking, right? Privacy right now is held with a few people, right? Facebook has, has a big privacy issue, and we've known that for, <laughs> for how many years now, right? <laughs> they have literally all the data. But if someone, for example, hacks into SGH, right? Singapore General 
hospital or to their servers. They get all our health data, and that's really, really sensitive. And we're relying, in this case, right, of course, on the Singapore government, um, et cetera, et cetera. But what happens if it's a third party holding this data? For example, a private hospital. Um, and I'm using, sorry, I'm using hospital records because they're very, very sensitive. But it could stem from anything from that to your passport to, you know, cryptocurrency, for example, is another one, or your banking, banking details. That's another, another key point that now it's held in your bank server when with Web 3.0, it'll be effectively everywhere and nowhere at the same time. So it really helps with privacy. And I, that, that's the way that I see Web 3.0 helping. What are your thoughts? I don't know. Um, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm the philosophical guy, right? So, so right now I, I think about Facebook as me giving up, you know, I'm the product. So, so I give up my personal information. I get service in return. I get the service in return. Um, that, that's okay with me, I guess, to, to be plugged into a social network. But I think, you know, what I would like is, is to split the, the revenues or to split the cash flows a, a bit more evenly. Right, so if I could give my information up uh, willingly and get paid for it, right, because somebody's repackaging that and selling that and earning a profit, so if I could get a cut of that, right, I think that that kind of helps deal with the privacy issue slightly, because then you are not giving up your your information and and what's precious and and personal information is precious, right? Coconuts, please remember that. Don't give out information for nothing. Um, hope, yeah, so, but in, instead of just a service, you get a service and some cash. That's great, right? It, it's, it's a more, it's a fairer way of sharing the rewards, I, I would say. Um, bad as a Facebook shareholder, but uh, oh well, I'll sell it sooner or later anyway. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, and I think that's what they mentioned by proper, properly compensated, right? Um, as of now, right, for coconuts out there, we, we give information and it is a transaction, right? In, in all fairness, for me, that's, that's fine because you're getting something in return. What you're suggesting, Anthony, is that with Web 3.0, what we can do is not only will our data be packaged, of course, you know, without our names, without all the sensitive data in a law of large numbers, our data table, if you will, but whoever uses that information, we will get a cut from it. And this is possible through Web 3.0, right? Yes, and I think just for information as well, it's beginning to, to come into play. So um, I'm, 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 you, you can do more research if you want. There's this cryptocurrency called Basic Attention Token, right? And, you know, you can, it, it's a currency. You can download this web browser called Brave. Um, and essentially, every time you click on an ad or an ad is played to you, you get some um, token in return. And you can sell that token for money. Brave token. Yeah, no, yeah, basic attention token, so bad. Oh, um, and it's tradable on Gemini and, and stuff like that. Um, so, oh, so yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we are on the cusp of change. Um, I, I've tried it. You, you get very, very little rewards. Um, hopefully, it becomes more. For now, it's going to start somewhere, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, but, but you know, it's a start. It's a start. Um, and, and I think it sounds good. Um, I just have never bothered using it. But it sounds good in, in theory. True. Um, no, but I think that's that's great, right? Because our data is being used, is being stored, and is being, to a certain extent, manipulated even. And I think, firstly, data privacy is important, but number two, getting compensated for it is is definitely possible. Of course, it's not good um, for, like you mentioned, the, the shareholders or for the for the wealthy, but I think it's definitely into the good step. When I have a question for you, though. When, since, you know, with Web 3.0, when do you think this could effectively come into play? Um, I know you said it started already, but when will it? Yeah. When is the tipping point? I I don't know. I, I think um, I, I mean look, we we kind of went through the the one to two phase, right? Um, to, I I think it's very fluid. You know, 
just one day everything clicks and go, yes, this is how it's meant to be used, right? Um, and, and everybody accepts that and it's just, you know, uh, common knowledge at that stage. I think it'll be the same, right? Um, our, our technological advances are, are never really about, you know, once, I mean, they, they are you know, small steps, but, you know, one day everybody just knows it and, and, and that's the way it will be. It's just a matter of, you know, getting enough people. I, I think that, that the tech needs building and, and the tech will probably take five years. I mean, look at Google Glass, what, five, seven, seven years ago and, and with what, the Ray-Ban AR VR glasses, right? We have made so much progress that there will be more progress that can be made. So, so yeah, I think within the decade, we will have something, you know, you have a different version of the internet, right? And, and whether that's 3.0 or 3.5 or 2.8, whatever. Or 4.0, uh, we don't know number. what's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, 4.0 <laughs> is too soon, right? We, we need to get to 3 first. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, I, I think we, we will get there in, in the decade. We'll get something very different by, by 2030. I, I just don't know who, who wins and, and, you know, how I can make money off it. But that's, that's something to think about. <laughs> nice. Well, new passive income stream to note. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Retirement drop. Click on ads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Okay, then let's move on to the the old world economy, right? But with some tech elements, um, and and move to Zillow. So um, for just a bit of background, Zillow, if because it's not in Singapore, but but you know, for for our audience, Zillow is a. U.S. property company. They they own a, a real estate listing website, and I think three years back they started a division to buy homes. So instead of just Zillow, you know, listing something and and get and and being the platform, Zillow themselves went to buy the house and and fixed it up slightly and sold it on, and and that became a new revenue stream, right? Um, and I think two two weeks ago they they announced that. They bought too many, too many homes and they had seven or 10,000 homes in the US that they were looking to sell quite quickly, um, but they couldn't at, at a big loss, except for a loss. And just earlier this week, they, they announced that their whole you know, eye buying, their whole home buying division will be shuttered and over the next few quarters, all the staff members will be let go, right? So this is a bet that has moved on and has gone wrong and the company has very quickly exercised it like a tumor and go, yep, we are, we are closing it. We, we don't want you anymore. And, and of course, because of that, their share price has dropped but 25, 30% um, since the news was first announced. Got it. So <clears throat> to take a step back, Zillow does real estate listings. So think of it like yep. a property guru or a 99 co. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Then right. um, after which, what you said was that they needed to make more money, <laughs> more than just agent fees and, and everything else. So they were looking at flipping homes. Yes. So um, apparently you could go to Zillow and they would give you an estimate of your price, like going to SRX, right? Um, so it's, it's and like as a seller, right? And, and you could click sell and that would be the beginning of the transaction with Zillow. So you don't need an, somebody, an agent to you know, bring people in. You don't need to arrange for viewings. You need to arrange for one. A Zillow inspector comes in and kind of looks at the house, see that the pictures are okay, sold. Right? As, a, as a homeowner that wants to sell a house, if I'm not, but if you are, I think it's fantastic, right? You, you save so much time. You, you don't need to keep your house open on weekends for like open houses and all of that. You, have a fi- you don't need to negotiate. It's a fixed market price. You sell. You don't need to worry about the buyer getting financing. It's so easy. 
right? And and that's fantastic. Um, I think where uh, it went wrong slightly um, was that you know Zillow didn't really know what what they wanted to do. So that I mean, they they had two two kind of different models. The the first was that they wanted to be a market maker. So essentially, what they thought of was that you know I can buy this house. There there will be demand for it. Um, I just need to fix it up a bit. So and then I can sell it quite quickly, right? So so it's it's like in the shares world, you know, having the bid as spread and and trading both sides of it and getting a cut of it, right? Um, the the second was well, you know, I'm a listing, right? I'm a listing service platform. I know I have all the data. Um, I can use machine learning. I can use AI, throw in all your tech buzzwords in. I can have a relatively predictive model of the price, and that that informs my offer, right? So 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 they think that they had a, a technological advantage over, you know, the the good old fashioned way of buying and selling homes. Yeah. So if 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 I get this right, and, and what I'm understanding from you is that number one, they were buying homes, right? Uh, obviously, to, to make yeah. more money, but they also had an algorithm on the back end to estimate the actual cost. And they're banking it, banking effectively the, that the algorithm was correct. So, for example, this would be a very good way to get arbitrage because they could buy that home and then the algorithm would say, actually, it's worth 20% more. They would then take the market, take, buy that house for 20% less and immediately put it on the market for 20% more. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you would think that that's an easy way to be predictive, right? But they did not want to do that. They they I mean at least in the in the reasons that the CEO stated why they failed, they said we 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 were not looking for underpriced hopes. We were just looking to facilitate more liquidity. Right? So yeah, I see the frown, right? That's where it gets weird. You know, if, if it was your model, I completely understand. Um they, they would never have had so much homes because it's a hot market, nobody you, you can't get twenty yeah. percent less, right? Um but but yeah, it, it's 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 mad. They they seem to think that houses were shares and all houses were the same and it's easy to sell, but <laughs> I guess they realize it isn't. Well, you know, it's an illiquid asset or non current asset for a reason. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's not and it's not fungible, right? House A is different from house B, unlike you know, share one share in Tesla is the same as another share in Tesla. So, so yeah, it's 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 a waste. I mean, but you no, know, I think it's also a lesson that you know you have very interesting business models. You can have all the tech and and data buzzwords that you want to use, but the proof is in the pudding, right? You still have to check how a company executes and not just how a company says they will execute. Interesting. Anything else for, about Zillow you want to inform our coconuts? Yeah, um, I think, well, just, just being going on a tangent, right? Because th- they are not the only company in the US doing this. There's Zillow, there's Redfin, there, there's Opendoor. Um, and, and Zillow has quite obviously failed in, in its eye-buying type of business. Redfin and Opendoor are announcing results soon, right? So it'd be very interesting to see how they have held up in this market, which, which has kind of destroyed a competitor. And and my thinking is, you know, if if and especially for Open Door, because this was their core competency to begin with, they were they were never a listing platform. They were just interested in home buying. You know, if Open Door has great results in this market, I think we can start seeing it as a genuine mode, right? Because it's it has a model and it can execute in a way that works where its competition cannot, even with the same data. Right, they 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 have a better model, and and I think that that goes towards you know justifying what whatever valuation that they will have in future because they they have shown that they have the expertise and they can do it, whereas others can't. 
other really smart people can, right? Zillow had good engineers. They had good data scientists. It just did not work out. Maybe their mindset was a little different because their, their focus was liquidity. It wasn't effectively arbitrage. It wasn't effectively... So they needed more houses in their website. And if there wasn't enough, they'd go and buy some and put some there. Would, would you say that's, well, that's the way they looked at it? No, I, I think they, they needed somebody to, to come in and, and actually list it. So, so at the very least, there haven't been stories about them willy-nilly just you know, going out offering people <laughs> who didn't want to sell. Um, it, they, there were people who were already interested. They just made the, the selling process a lot easier, which is great, right? Real, real estate is a, is a market right for disruption. We just need to disrupt it in, in a way that everybody wins. We need real, we need, we need real estate 2.0. We are still at two. 1.0, we need 2.0. <laughs> and we can use Web 3.0 for that one. So <laughs> yeah, we could, we could. Um, I mean, there, there's, I mean, we can talk about this later, but you know, there's lots of interesting things about you know, moving our title deeds into blockchains and you know, moving, moving our conveyancing process on the blockchains and making it a lot easier and, and, and needing less lawyers, which is always great. So, so yeah. Um, You'll yeah, be out of a job yeah, soon. Story for another day. So. Uh, no, I, I don't do that, so it's fine. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. No, I think it's good to, yeah, like what you said, let's look at their competitors, right? Open door, I think would be good for me to, to look into just to find out exactly whether this is a viable market strategy, right? Maybe just Zillow just did it wrong and there is a correct way to go ahead and yeah. do that. Awesome. Uh, speaking of not being able to fund their markets or, or fund houses, we want to talk about Evergrande. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised news- it took us so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we got, we got to save something. I want to find out a bit more about Zillow as well. First time hearing about it. <laughs> so with, yeah, with Evergrande, it's, it's to a certain extent a bit of old news because I think the first market shock was in September or, or October, and this actually resonated a, around the globe. I think with the NYSE as well as NASDAQ saw a bit of a drop, uh, especially when Evergrande came out and said it. But for me, uh, they defaulted on the loans, I think, on Saturday. Again, right, on the bond payments. Sorry, not the loans. They defaulted on it. But not only that, a few other companies have also been defaulting on the loans. Now, these are other big companies, such as Kaiser or Modern Land. And it's really causing a rift in in the bond market in China, right? China itself is going through a bit of a confidence um, issue, right? Maybe mommy and daddy issues, right? Clearly, (laughs) as the government is just going like, okay, let's see how, how low this one can go. And I think yeah. just to yeah, just to let you know, Evergrande has about you know three billion that is due in terms of loans and, and repayments. And China has mentioned, uh, or rather the Chinese government has mentioned that the founder should use his personal wealth to go ahead and do that. However, his personal wealth is only in the millions, right? So even if he goes bankrupt, <laughs> hundreds of millions or whatever it is, but even if he goes bankrupt, it's still a lot of money that that ever grinded. No, it, it's okay, man. It, it's it's common prosperity, right? He needs to go bankrupt and not just the company needs to go bankrupt. I think that's fair. I, I wish, okay. I mean, we, we can't do that in, in Singapore and the US and the UK for obvious reasons because it just goes against a company law, but I, I don't think it's a bad thing, you know, to be honest. <laughs> no, I can see where, where you're coming from, right? And and completely that's fair because in the GFCs, the people that lined the pockets were the, were the C-suites, right? Of, of Lehman Brothers yeah. and so on and so forth. And, and they got bailed out. So yes, yes, they got out. <laughs> exactly right. And this is what China is trying to do. They're trying to equalize at this point in time, and I guess they're just trying to wait for the market to react before before making that decision. But the market is reacting and reacting quite badly. 
in in another news, like Sino Ocean, Sino Ocean Group, they do, they have not defaulted on their bond payments, right? They're paying. They're also a real estate company, but their bonds is really really cheap right now. I think it's seventy five cents that you can go in and you can buy it, and it's a it's a pretty good company as far as I know. I think maybe uh, Anthony, you know a bit more about Sino. Yeah, so um, I think Sino Ocean is. I mean, look, Evergrande, uh, Modern Land. They are in in the bond world what are called junk bonds, right? I mean, they they are they are essentially companies where credit rating international credit rating agencies go, ah oh, man, this isn't a great company. I'll give them a C, right? Uh, in terms of credit rating, and and those kind of fall into junk bonds, you know, high yield bonds which pay five percent. Um, somehow that's high, but yeah, no, there there we go. And Sino Ocean, I think, was interesting because it's slightly different. It. It's investment grade, um, which means that they have a rating of A by the international rating agencies. You know, they they have lots of cash on their balance sheet, but yet the bond market is discounting their bonds, right? So, so for a face value of one dollar in debt, you can buy it for seventy five cents, right? I mean, in normal times, if it's a good company, that's the steal of the century because at the at the end of the term, you redeem it for a full dollar and and you get interest payments along the way. You know, you're you're a winner. Effectively, arbitrage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? So so the bond market is reacting. Nobody's really picking this up. Why? And I think you know this is a sign of the contagion that, that we are talk that you have been talking about. It's not so much I mean the equity market's not so much yet. Um the sorry, the non-China real estate equity market's not so much yet, but I think impacts are definitely being seen on the bond markets. You know, if if it leads to difficulties refinancing and, and all that, there's there's going to be a whole cascading effect. It will just take quite a while to play out got it yeah and i think you were telling me before the show as well that the u.s fed has started to take contagion from from evergrande's situation right now in china yeah um i mean they, they didn't say much um they just said oh yeah you know this is a situation we should we should we should worry a bit about it or we should take note of it so you know i think at, at the very least the the u.s fed thinks that there could be real economic growth impacts um to the U.S., right? Because they are not that concerned about China. It's, it's to the U.S. And, and of course, that will also impact the, the various, you know, U.S. equities that, that we have been talking about. I mean, maybe not so much Rivian because they, they sell a thousand cars a year anyway. So, uh, <laughs> and they need to sell sure Amazon. So, I mean, <laughs> they should be fine. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, you know, I, I think for, for the, if, if there is an economic impact, you know, and all your growth companies will, will have, very interesting um, reactions, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think we can look forward to volatility. Um, I, yes. I, don't, I don't know whether it'll be good or bad, but definitely volatility. Exactly, right? And I think that, that's a takeaway for our coconuts here, right? Evergrande is probably going to play out for till till end of this quarter, maybe even next quarter, or maybe in Q2. But volatility is what I would see that would be happening, whether it's for the better or for the worse. It's for us to note. But I think that the, if the US Fed is looking at it, it will definitely spread some sort of contagion to to the to the markets, right? To to the common man, which is the you and me buying into equities, into overpriced stocks such as tech. <laughs> you name any tech stock is probably overpriced. So what yeah, does that no, mean? But, but but even if you 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 have the traditional 60-40 equity bond portfolio, you're also getting hit. That's true. That, that there's no escaping this, right? The, the the bond world is getting hit first. And we I mean we, we are equity heavy, so so we are very focused on the equity world. But if you had a 60-40 you know, bond portfolio, even if you bought bond funds, you would be a lot more worried than we are right now. 
Yes, and traditionally bonds first, and then slowly the equity will reverberate. <laughs> <laughs> so fun times coming up. Lots Absolutely. to talk about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> stay tuned, folks. <laughs> awesome. We had a we had a really great session. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. Thanks, Anthony, again for for you know. Yeah, no worries. Oh, always Thanks. good to chat, man. All good. <laughs> well, thank thank you again, Coconuts, for listening in. We'll see you next week, Tuesdays at eight pm. Bye. Bye. See you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback, so share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.